The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. So this morning, as you're in John chapter number 20, it may seem like a little bit of a different passage for this time of year, but recently I was going through this and reading it, and it was an encouragement to me for a few different reasons. All of us face different seasons in life. All of us face storms. All of us face trials. We, we face things that don't seem like they make sense. Life is the type of thing, the longer you live it, the more ups and downs you go through. Uh, circumstances come your way that you never planned for, you never wanted, but God has a purpose and a plan for them. In this particular passage, we have, of course, the story of the disciples and those following Jesus coming to the empty tomb and realizing that their Savior is gone. Imagine with me these disciples for a few moments, they're already in a state of shock and confusion and, and concern because the leader they have spent so much time with, their Savior, the one who they have come to love, the one who they have uh, enjoyed learning from and being taught by is now gone. He talked about this. He, he emphasized that this day was coming, but to actually experience it was something that I don't believe they were fully prepared for. Not only that, they now come to the tomb and it's empty. There's a panic. Mary Magdalene, it says in verse number one, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. So not only has fear taken place as they went through obviously the crucifixion of Christ and they observed it and they they saw those things. Now there's confusion. Now there's a a different fear. There's uh, uncertainty about what is to come. They don't know. And I have discovered in my own life, even as, as sordid as it is, and for some of y'all, you're probably thinking, no, it's, it's longer than you think it is. But my life really is not that, that old, and I have looked, been able to look back, and there are those seasons that come that cause concern and perhaps a little fear and some uncertainty. In this passage, I find some comforting thoughts that have encouraged me along the way. I don't know what you're going through, and you think, man, life is great. We just started the semester, and nothing could be better. And I'm encouraged to, to think that there are many in this room like that. There also may be others in this room that the semester has started off, and it's a little rough for you. Or maybe you, you went home for Christmas break, and it was not the break that you'd hoped for. It wasn't restful. Perhaps there's something back home you're facing, you're dealing with, that has caused your life to be unsettled and you're upset about it and it's frustrating and you can't get your mind wrapped around around what God wants you to do here because of the things that are on your mind weighing heavily. I don't know where you've come from, but I do know one thing, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever storm you may face and whatever trial you may be going through at this time, I promise you that there is a God that loves you and has a perfect plan for you. A couple thoughts for us this morning out of this passage, and uh, the first thing I want you to see is this. Sometimes life seems to just pile up on itself. Now you think, I thought you were encouraging us this morning. Uh, We'll get to that part, okay? But I want us to accept the fact that sometimes life feels like it's piling up on on us. And and if you you look at it, like I said already with the disciples, one, their Savior has been crucified. They they had to watch that unimaginable uh, uh, death there, And, and now the loss of their friend, their master, the one they love. And now, of course, the confusion. 
the thought that somebody has stolen the body of their Savior. They have no idea where it is. In your own life, you may be dealing with health issues, financial issues, perhaps grief, confusion, discouragement. If you haven't yet, I promise you it's coming. So accept that life sometimes does that. It seems to pile up on ourselves, and then sometimes it seems to not only be overwhelming, but follow us everywhere. When I was a young boy, we lived in Germany. My dad was in the military, and on a particular day, my mom said, son, I need to take the trash out to the dumpster. We lived in a, in a large uh, apartment building, and, and uh, the dumpster was at the end of the cul-de-sac there. So I took the trash out to the dumpster. And uh, I'm four, so I'm having a good old time and, and running down the sidewalk because that's when you could, you know, let your four-year-old kid run down the sidewalk with the trash. And, and I come back in the house and I go back to playing and jumping on the couch and, and having a good time with my toys and watching TV. And, and, and my older sister was there, so we're, we're goofing around and playing. And after a few moments, my, my mom said, son, come here. And you know that state, that way that it said, you, a little panic in your, in your heart there? So I went to see my mom and, and she said, do you need a bath? I thought a weird question. I said, no, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly content. I, she goes, you're getting one tonight. And so I went back to playing. And then a few minutes later, she goes, son, come here. And the, the tone got a little more angry at that point. And I went back in. I said, yeah, mommy. And uh, she said, you stink, son. So it went from do I need a bath to now I stink. And, and I'm starting to get a complex here at four years old. And, and, and so, no, mom, everything's fine. And, and she goes, come here, just so she starts checking me and, 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 and all that stuff. And I had gone to the dumpster barefoot. Some of y'all are starting to imagine where this might go. Uh, while at the dumpster, I, I was standing in a, in a position that was not the best position. I, I was throwing the, the trash away, but where I was standing was where several people would take their animals to for a walk. And I, unbeknownst to me, I assumed everything there was mud. And so I, I came back in the house and for an hour or so was playing all over the house, jumping on the couch, the cloth couch, with my feet dirty. And my mom realized as she, as she checked my feet, she realized what in the world was going on. And she said, son, you got to pay attention where you're stepping where you're standing, it's disgusting out there, and you've now brought this in. And, and sometimes, you know, it's disgusting what's going on in life, and it seems to just follow us everywhere. Well, that was my fault that day. Oh, my mom was so mad. She had to clean up for a, a while. My dad came home, and uh, for some reason, there wasn't great fellowship that night as a family. It was just one of those weird moments. But uh, I remember uh, looking back at that story thinking, oh, yeah, life sometimes is like that. What, you, what, what you're involved in stinks and it's, it's discouraging and it's frustrating. It seems to go wherever we go and we can't catch that break. But please understand that when life gets overwhelming, God is never overwhelmed. When you're going through a class that may not be your favorite or it's difficult or the projects seem to be overwhelming or, or, or you're not sure if the calendar is going to fit with your, with your uh, happy calendar, what, what things you enjoy, please understand that God can provide. It seems that sometimes we get all the burden while others get all the blessing. I had a box mate in college that uh, he seemed to regularly get checks from people, random checks, just praying for you, here's some money for college. I hated my box mate. He always got those gifts. I got the, if you want more hours to work and pay your bill, you can work the nine to midnight shift at, at such, an, you know, the distribution center or whatever. And I was like, praise the Lord. So, uh, you know, so I, get the, I get all the burdens and stuff, and my, my box mate was getting the blessings, or, or my roommates would get the care packages every other day from their families. 
every other day, okay? It was, I got one a semester, whether I was ready for it or not, all right? Sometimes those lives, as you look around, it's like you start to compare yourself to other people. Well, they seem to have it so good. Please be careful with that. Please be careful with the perspective that those around you are having it better than you because what happens is we begin to get selfish and self-centered in our perspective and we miss what God really is trying to accomplish. And the reality is those around us are dealing with things that we may not even understand. Especially if you're looking at social media, be careful with that. That can really play with your mind and affect your heart for God. But I want us for a moment to stop and realize all of us have more than we deserve. You stop and think about the blessings that you have. You stop and think about the the things you've been given in life and the opportunities that you have to look forward to. Those are blessings that we don't deserve, yet God in his loving grace has bestowed that upon us. And what a wonderful God that we have to give us more than we deserve. I can't help but look back at my own life, not just as a a young person growing up, but as an adult, and and realize all the things that I have done to hurt people and hurt relationships and, and, and displeasing to God, and yet God has extended much grace to me. And those in my life have extended grace to the point that I can't help but realize I need to extend the same. Be careful not to spiritualize also what we are being given as judgment for things that we've done wrong. Sometimes I've heard people say, hey, listen, life piles up on me. Oh, woe is me. I'm, I'm, I'm being persecuted for, the, for Christ's sake. The reality sometimes is we get what we deserve, right? We, we, we sow and, and now we reap. So be careful that you don't super spiritualize something that you're going through that was of your own making. But yet in those trials that come and those storms that arise and those parts of life, those seasons of life that seem to be overwhelming, understand this statement that God is always and only good. You hear Pastor Redland mention that often. And he does so to remind us of that great truth that will help us get through those seasons. That God is always and only good. Psalm 119 verse 68 says this, thou art good and doest good. Understand that God can only do good. I don't understand what's happening in my life, Pastor Wynn. I don't understand the, the trials I've already started facing this semester or what I'm still facing from last semester. Please know this, that God is always and only good, and what he's doing in your life is going to be for his glory and your good. So first, we must understand that life sometimes just seems to pile up on itself. But number two, I want you to see this. The one that waited is the one that got to see Jesus. Let's go down to the story a little bit more back in our passage. In verse number three, it says this. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went not in. And you, and you could continue to read, Peter comes up there and now sees the, the, gra- the, the grave is empty, the linen clothes are there. And verse number eight, then went on and also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher when he saw and believed, for as yet they knew not the scripture. I marked that phrase in my Bible. That's an interesting statement. I hope and pray that in my life it can't be said of me that I don't know the scripture. That he must rise again from the dead. Verse number 10. Then the disciples went away again into their own home. See, the disciples in their, in their fear of what's been taking place and in their confusion, they made a decision to observe what they saw and then think, oh, we just got to go back and figure out what to do next. But in verse number 11, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher. Mary, in her, in her overwhelming emotion and her grief that she's experiencing, and again, the confusion, the heartache, not knowing what is going on, she just simply stands there and she's weeping. And where the other disciples missed an opportunity to see the miraculous, in that moment, she was able to see. 
In the seasons that you may face, I want to encourage you with this. Just stop and let God move. Stop and let God show himself to you in a way that you've never seen before. I think of the verse in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. That was my mother-in-law's life verse. She passed away in 2006. And everything in her house was that verse, and she, and she loved that verse, and it's become my, one of my wife's favorite verses, and, and we've had to experience it in our own family as we've gone through seasons, as we've gone through heartache, as we've gone through different things with our special needs children and, and uh, uh, passing of loved ones, but able to stop and be still and know that He is God. The phrase be still there doesn't indicate that circumstances may or may not change. It doesn't indicate that things will get rosier and better for you. It simply means that there's a place of contentment to be found in dwelling with Christ. And resting in where he has us and what he is doing. In Exodus chapter 14, as the Israelites came to the Red Sea and they they knew the Egyptian army was behind them, they were panicked and they were afraid. Moses stood up and said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In other words, be still. Being still is not a necessarily a physical trait, but more of a heart attitude of contentment and resting in who God is and what he's trying to accomplish. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 12 through 18, there was the still small voice that helped Elijah understand that there was more down in the city ready to serve God than just what he was thinking of. God wasn't in the, <clears throat> in the mighty wind. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. He was in the still small voice. And sometimes we can get so busy with life, we get so wrapped up in all that is taking place, and it's easy to do, especially on this campus. Your schedule is so busy. But be careful that you don't miss who God is and what he's doing. If he loves you enough to save you from an eternal punishment and separation from him, then certainly he loves you enough to walk with you day by day and to meet your needs and help you through whatever you're facing. Don't look for the Red Sea parting And miss the everyday miracle that he is doing. I think sometimes we read scripture and we think, boy, I wish if only I could have that opportunity to be like the Israelites and see all those things. Or or be like the the, the three Hebrew children thrown in the fire and have God walk with us. Wow, these are amazing things. Please know this, God still does amazing things. It, It may not be the Red Sea parting, but in your life it can be just as important as the Red Sea parting. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So be Be excited about where you're at because God has a plan. Don't be so discouraged that you miss the Savior. The the disciples, they walked away thinking, what are we going to do? Mary stood there weeping and had a chance to see Jesus. Third thing I want you to see very quickly here is no matter what happens in life, desire to have the Savior in your life. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I, I'm going I'm to make an assumption that many in this room are saved, and I trust by your testimony that's the case. There may be somebody here, though, that does not know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And can I encourage you with this? Today's a great day to get that settled. We, we can help you right with that. I'll stick around afterwards. And nothing more important to the, the, the schedule on this campus than for you to know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior and you have a home in heaven with him for eternity. But I think sometimes we as Christians in our infancy as uh, new believers or if we've never been discipled and we haven't grown properly, we, sit, we tend to take for granted the fact that God is with us. Oh, we're saved. We, we know that we're going to heaven, but we've never experienced the, the joys and the thrills of a proper walk with Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you with this? The more you go through seasons, the more you should desire the Savior. The more you're on the mountaintops, the more you should desire the Savior. 
No matter what you're going through in life, please, I encourage you to crave the Savior. Look at verse number 15 with me of this chapter. Of course, Jesus asks her twice, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she says this in verse 15. She, supposing him to be the gardener, you think, how does she not know Jesus' face? Well, you got to understand, there's, there's a lot going on. It's amazing what trauma, what sorrow and different things, and, and uh, emotionally over, being overwhelmed can, can cause your perspective to miss. But she's supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. She craved the body of her Savior. She craved his presence. Uh, everything hadn't been revealed to her yet. She was still confused and still uncertain, but there was a desire in her heart to, to have the, the presence of God with her. She had the teachings that Jesus taught. She had all those important moments, but she wanted her Savior near. How about you, student? When you don't know what to do, when your life seems turned upside down, do you crave the only stability that can bring you true peace? In Psalm 118, the Bible talks about thy word is hope and, and that the word of God brings that hope, that, that glorious expectation of what is to come because God said it would. Do you crave the Savior? Well, there's a lot of things that we can crave. Dr. Baldwin uh, mentioned the four winds. I won't mention it that way, but uh, you crave food when you're hungry, right? If you're in a relationship with a significant other, you crave time with them. You, you enjoy that. I thoroughly enjoy time with my wife. I get home in the evenings and uh, we spend time together. We, we have our three children that are uh, quite interesting and full of variety. I crave time with my family. We crave uh, our hobbies, our interests that we have. We enjoy time with them. We desire that. But again, if we're not careful, we'll completely miss craving time with Jesus. And there's nothing more sweet than time with Jesus. David describes it as the secret place in Psalm 91. I have to confess to you, I've not been to the secret place as often as I need to be. That place where you don't know what to do, but you know you're in the presence of Almighty God. He changes everything. You think, oh, so if I get with God that uh, my circumstances will get better, my, my projects will be, be relieved and all those things? No, the reality is there may be more to come. But I have discovered this in my time and my walk with the Lord, that the more I desire to follow him, the more I get what I'm looking for. It doesn't mean circumstances change, but my perspective on them sure does. I crave the Savior. Mary so desired to have the presence of the Savior in her life that she was willing to, out of emotion, embarrass herself and just beg and, and plead for the body of Christ. Do we seek the presence of Christ? Is our first reaction to go to his, to go to his word where we can hear him speak to us? I've talked to college students, I've talked to teenagers, I've talked to adults in, in all phases of life, and, and many times they say, I, don't, I just don't know what to do. I need decision, a wisdom for a decision I have to make, and I'm not sure where to go. And all the while, they're not even getting into the scriptures to understand what God has already given them to do. A college student this semester, my prayer for you is that your time with the Lord and your walk through his word is more precious and more meaningful and deeper than it's ever been. Because as I believe the, the administration at Pensacola Christian College and your teachers would desire not that you just get a diploma, but that you are a stronger believer when you leave this place because of a pre the presence of the Lord in your life. 
Paul said it best in Philippians 3.10, I think five of the most powerful words in all scripture, that I may know him. Do you realize what Paul had in his life that he rejected and, and cast away and counted it as waste just so he can have the superiority of knowing God better? Oh, Paul said that statement that I may know him. He desired the, not just the presence of God, but the knowledge of who God was so that whenever life came his way, whatever day he was dealing with, he could apply that information and that walk with the Lord and it changed him forever. And finally this morning, I want you to get this bit of advice out of this passage. No matter what comes your way, listen for his voice. Listen for his voice. Look what happens to Mary here. She says, I desire to know where the body is. In verse number 15, please tell me where you've taken him and, and I will take him away. In verse number 16, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say master. I, I can't help but just imagine. I like reading scripture with imagination. Do you do that? I think it's safe to do that. It's fun that way. I, there's a lot of stories in scripture that are fun to read with imagination. Uh, Balaam's donkey talking. That's a fun one. I, I think about, how about the, the Israelites walking around Jericho for those seven days and the people up top thinking, these idiots, they're just walking and then they like, you know, just do their thing then they go away. Uh, or how about the feeding of the 5,000? Could you imagine that were a miraculous event there? I, I love to read with imagination and hear Mary in her grief and in her confusion and in her hurt, she, she begins to, to say, I'm just overwhelmed. And all of a sudden, Jesus says her name. Let me ask you this, if Mary had gone away with the other disciples, would she have heard Jesus say her name? No, she would have missed that one moment where Christ said, Mary. I know in my own life, as I look back, there's been some moments that were very overwhelming. It's one thing to, to, to be in pastoral ministry and to preach messages to teenagers when I was a youth pastor and to singles when I was a singles pastor and different things like that. But when you have to start going through it and God takes you through what you've been preaching, it's a, it's a different atmosphere, it's a different attitude towards, towards those things. And I have to confess to you that there are times that out of my confusion, I would ask God why. And I don't believe that's necessarily an issue. But I do confess at times my heart attitude was not desiring for God to reveal his will but rather my why was to challenge what God was doing. And I love when we challenge God in a sense, we ask him why. I love those moments now where he doesn't respond at all. You see, God already established the fact that he is always and only good. His word says so. It's for us to believe and to trust in his word, to know that we can pause and just be still long enough because he will speak to us. And he will guide us and help us and get us through those things we're facing. What is God teaching you through your season? You think, seriously, man, life is great. I go to the beach every weekend and it's, it's good. And I hang out with friends. I have one class a, a week and life is good. Probably not even possible. But, or maybe you think you only have one class and you're missing the other ones, but I don't know. But uh, you think, man, life is really good. I, I go to class uh, first thing in the morning. I go to lunch. And then I go to the sports center the rest of my life. And so life is grand. You're looking at doing the four years of college into a seven-year program. It works for some. For me, my senior year was the best three years of college. I enjoyed my, no. I get those things. You say, life is great. Everything's perfect. I have great relationships and nothing is bothering me. You may be the other person in this room that's saying, I, every day 
when my alarm goes off, I hate it. Of course, I, I hate mornings anyway. So it has nothing, whether life is good or not, mornings are just bad. But you may, you may be dreading waking up because of what you have to face that day. Or you get that phone call from home, and when you see that number pop up, you know it's not going to be an encouraging phone call. Or you get a, you get a call from a, from a medical professional saying, hey, listen, we've run the test and we've seen. Or, or you get a notice early the semester that your bill needs to be paid and you don't know how you're going to do it. What is God teaching you through this moment? Are you trying to be like the disciples and go away and figure out what to do next? Or are you taking time to just be still and pause and say, God, what are you doing? You know what I have found to be true in this life is when I need to hear God speak, this is where he's going to do it. I have not had the devotional life that I need to in my life. I promise you that. And in those moments, I can tell you I know exactly where I'm missing it. God speaks through his word. Are you listening for his voice? Very quickly, I want to leave an illustration with you to summarize this last point, to stop and to listen. When, I was, when we were in Ohio, I was a coach for uh, our, one of our high school teams there. And uh, one particular night, I had to go back to, through the gym to the classroom to get some things. And I brought my, my oldest son with me. He was four at the time. And, and I was used to the facility. We walked through all the time. And we walked into the gym. It was late at night. There was the lobby light behind me. The gym door opened up. We walked through. And as the gym door closed, the gym was dark again. But I knew where I was going. I was walking straight across. My four-year-old son, though, got scared. It was dark in the gym. And I could hear when we walked in first, the first few steps, I could hear the little pitter-patter of, of little kids' feet, feet behind me. But then all of a sudden, all I heard was mine. And my son said, Dad? That, that, that voice, that little, that little still small voice that's a little bit scared. And so as a good father, I didn't respond right away because I was playing with his head. It was great. But um, I, then, I, then I said, yeah, bud, what's up? And I'd walked a few feet ahead. I could turn around. I can kind of see a silhouette through the light from the lobby, so I knew where he was. Because, Dad, I'm scared. I said, well, bud, I'll come get you. And then I thought about this. I said, no, bud, I want you to come to me. And he said, what? <laughs> I said, bud, I want you to listen to my voice, and I'm going to keep talking to you, and I want you to keep walking. But, Dad, I don't know. I said, bud, trust me. Listen for my voice. I'm going to take care of you. And I started to hear his feet hit the gym floor a little bit, and he began to walk. And he got a little bit away from me, about arm's length away, and he began to see my rather large physique, and I don't mean that in a workout way. And he said, oh, there you are, Daddy. Okay, let's go. And he grabbed my hand, and we walked through the gym and got what we needed to get. I can't help but think there's times in my own life and maybe in your life when we feel like we're in the middle of a dark gym, and we don't know where we're going. Are you listening for the voice of the Savior? He'll help you. He'll guide you. He'll protect you. And help change your outlook on all that's going on in your life. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.